Hi, and welcome to the Wise Healthy Bites podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Catherine. With a combined 29 years of experience as registered dietitians, we're here to share real life nutrition tricks and lifestyle tips that we hope will inspire you to make healthful choices in the aisles of the supermarket and in life. This is episode number 38, Best and Worst Diets for Heart Health. And on today's episode, we're covering how popular top-graded diets promote positive lifestyle improvement, plus a healthy heart, and which ones don't. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Well, here we are in February, which means that by now the vast majority of New Year's resolutions have unfortunately fizzled out. So in general, um, diets that people tend to start in January end up being too restrictive or too expensive or just too difficult to follow. And ultimately, they're just not sustainable. And that is just a recipe for frustration and disappointment and giving up. And if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that dieting isn't really our style. And we specifically picked our intuitive eating guests to be on our show right around the new year. Um, And today, we want to shed light on the top-rated dietary patterns and how they're connected to lowering your risk for the leading cause of death in America, which is heart disease. That's right. And, you know, of course it's February. So we are, you know, talking about American heart month and we felt like this was a super relevant topic uh, for this time of year. So let's just back it up a little bit. You've set the stage there, Catherine. Um, Let's dive in a little bit deeper. Um, So every year, uh, U.S. News and World Report ranks um, and evaluates around 40 diet with input from a panel of major health experts. Uh, To be top rated, a diet has to be easy to follow, nutritious, safe, and protective against diabetes and heart disease, which so we as dietitians certainly would give something like this the green light and the thumbs up where, you know, so many that are at the bottom of this list, as you'll hear, you know, do not check these boxes. Um, so this panel of nationally recognized uh, experts includes, and again, major, legit, uh, credible experts, including dietitians, woohoo, <laughs> physicians, <laughs> professors, researchers, uh, a neurobiologist in diet, nutrition, obesity, uh, food psychology, diabetes and heart disease reviews. And, you know, there's so much more that kind of goes into all of this, uh, this process and evaluation. Um, you know, so really what they're looking at, um, again, is something that will be easy to follow for the majority of the U S population is, a and its ability to produce short-term and long-term weight loss, um, overall nutritional completeness. So that's one thing, you know, that many fad diets don't stack up and, and produce is, um, you know, nutrient completeness where they re- you know, restrict and remove key food groups, which again, we'll get into, um, of course, safe, and then, uh, you know, it's potential for preventing and managing you know, two of the top chronic conditions in the U.S., again, those being diabetes and heart disease. Yeah. So what ranked as the number one eating plan in 2021? Drumroll, please. So it is actually the diet that has been ranked number one for many years now, and that is the Mediterranean diet. Woohoo. <laughs> I can hear dietitians around the world cheering. We love the Mediterranean diet. Um, we know how great it is for you. And it's just great to have such a detailed review done and have this diet come up as number one. Um, so after that, uh, the top three basically are the Mediterranean diet, the DASH diet, and the flexitarian. And we're going to talk about what all of these are here shortly. 
That's right. And I think, gosh, you know, I, I feel like it was probably back in the spring, uh, you know, we did cover the Mediterranean diet in more detail mm -hmm. as well. So this is a lifestyle that we have felt passionate about and have been, you know, advocating for um, previously as well. And this one does kind of like rank at the top for, you know, years and years. Um, so really what's at the bottom of the list, the million dollar question. So that would include uh, something like Atkins, keto and whole 30, which, you know, I would definitely call more restrictive um, eating styles. And again, those are the ones that are not nutritionally complete in most cases. Um, you know, they may not be safe for some populations and they're not connected to, you know, again, management and lowering risk for diabetes and heart disease. So this is kind of, again, why they are at the bottom of the list. Um, so they really do focus on many foods that you can enjoy. And as you would imagine, these eating styles are just really not sustainable for the long run, um, AKA the rest of your life. <laughs> right. Exactly. So back to the diets at the top. So the Mediterranean, the DASH diet, the flexitarian, those are more focused on not just the foods, but it's really a lifestyle. And they're very inclusive eating styles where a variety of foods are encouraged. Um, and you know, another thing they have in common is their connection for a lower risk of heart health because of the foods that are um, encouraged. And like Beth, you mentioned, um, this is timely for February because it's American Heart Month. That's right. Um, you know, so let's look a little bit more deeply at the Mediterranean diet, which, you know, even just when I think about this whole like lifestyle, so we're saying diet, but it's kind of referring more to like dietary slash eating pattern, not like quote diet, you know, that you might be thinking of like, you know, a quick fix type of, you know, regimen that you follow with the intention only to lose weight. Um, you know, so Mediterranean really is kind of an overall lifestyle approach. And I always just think of like countries that are around the Mediterranean and the beauty of that area. Gosh, I'd love to be transported to a, a coastal space right now and beautiful sun sunshine. Um, but so the studies around the Mediterranean diet really do show with some solid evidence that it does reduce the risk for heart disease, helps you maintain a healthy weight and reduces risk for type two diabetes. Um, so what it really emphasizes, and again, this is why dietitians just love this approach. Um, it emphasizes really a focused intake on fruits and vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, legumes, olive oil, flavorful, flavorful <laughs> herbs and spices, um, you know, regular intake of fish and seafood, you know, at least twice per week, um, and enjoying moderate portions of poultry, eggs, and dairy, even including sweets and red meat, but more so on special occasions and a glass of red wine, um, you know, within moderation, of course. So, you know, just all of those different factors, you know, I think in general, it just sounds so much more sustainable to me. And it's including mm -hmm. really wholesome, nutritious food groups, which we would promote, you know, for again, the vast majority of the population. Um, so it really does apply to so many people. Um, and you know, those outcomes related to heart disease and type two diabetes are just, you know, so impactful, right? Yeah. And what I really love about it too, is that it's, it's kind of a focus on community, um, yeah. eating with other people, enjoying your meals. And there's also a focus on eating mindfully. So paying attention to what you're eating, um, without distractions, you know, eating on purpose moment by moment, like it's just like being in the moment, enjoying the food and the flavors and the company that's around you, um, without any judgment. And then there's also a, a portion too, of staying physically active, um, as we would all also encouraged for anybody as well. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think when you think of probably how someone within this region or someone following the Mediterranean diet, you know, may enjoy a meal, it's probably not in your car as you're speeding down the interstate. You're probably actually sitting at your table and enjoying the meal and just really kind of like focusing and savoring all of those um, those flavors and the experience. So some examples of meals and snacks that would align with this type of um, meal plan would include um, something like a grain bowl, egg scramble with veggies, um, a Mediterranean egg frittata that we'll link to. It's something that's current in our magazine right now. Whole grain uh, pita chips and hummus could be a great snack. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be elaborate. I think what's great about this approach is it really does include like very um, just approachable staples, you know, whole grains. So that could be rice. It could be pasta. It could be oats. Um, You know, it could be quinoa just as one, you know, very simple example, but there's a lot of variety within the pattern as well as just, you know, I think approachability and use of essentials that many of us have easy access to. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. Like this is not need to be difficult. It's really, it can just be very simple foods. So Mm -hmm. make a yogurt parfait, um, have, you know, oatmeal with berries and granola on top or, uh, like a sweet potato stew, vegetable soup, baked salmon, like Mm -hmm. everything is, it can be very simple. It doesn't need to be, you know, this elaborate five course meal. Um, it can be really quick and easy. Yeah, that's right. And I think even though it does sound like it would be, you know, right, that's exactly right. um, But yeah, I I think that's just a great point right there that, you know, keeping it simple, because you know, we're all trying to do that as much as you might want to cook, like, you know, really involved recipes, it's just it's hard to fit that in, especially during a busy work week, for example. So maybe on the weekend, you can enjoy that as a hobby. But day to day, it's a very, uh, you know, kind of practical type of approach to include into everyday meals and snacks. Um, So number two, at the top of this list. um, And again, this one, is, is one that's also been around for quite some time, which, you know, I guess when you think about that longevity, you know, of mm-hmm. a diet approach, you know, on this list, I mean, that means that again, the science continues to confirm it and that it is, uh, you know, sustainable and something that, that, uh, you know, really remains on that list. So this one is the DASH diet, which stands for uh, Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. Again, super relevant for American Heart Month and for you know, the majority of Americans who, you know, do um, are either preventing, you you know, high blood pressure and or managing it because, you know, many of us do have this condition. Um, so what this diet actually emphasizes, which isn't all that different, I feel like. I was just going to say, diet. it's like the same. It's very similar. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so at the core, again, you know, plant foods. So your fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean protein, you know, low fat dairy. So these foods are really focused on nutrients like potassium, calcium, and fiber that are, you know, really great to manage naturally your blood pressure. Um, and then you are reducing saturated fats in your diet, um, which would come from um, red meats from, you know, higher fat, whole milk type of dairy products, um, you know, and butter, for example, you know, Mm. things like that, you know, limiting uh, sugar sweetened beverages, and just keeping sweets kind of to a minimum, which again, even if you think about the Mediterranean diet, you're including these foods, but kind of less frequently, they shouldn't be a key staple in your diet. It's more on a special occasion, which I feel like you could probably align the DASH diet with as well. Absolutely. And one of the main focuses Mm -hmm. of the DASH diet is watching your sodium intake. So keeping your sodium to 2,300 milligrams or less per day. Um, And really the way to do this is to read labels, see how much sodium is in the items that you're eating. And also um, comparing what you're eating to what the serving size is on the package. Because if you're eating more, you're eating more sodium. If you're eating less, you're getting less sodium. And really sodium 
is sneaky. It adds up really fast. I know when I talk to customers or people that are trying to watch their sodium, they're just like, like all of a sudden it's, it adds up. I'm like, I know. Mm -hmm. So the average person eats about 3,400 milligrams of sodium a day. So much more than the recommendation. Um, and there's something called the salty six, which I like to mention, and it's just sources of sodium that basically contribute the most sodium to our diets. Um, so those things are breads, pizza, sandwiches, cured meats, soups, and then burritos and tacos. So definitely check the label on those products. Um, and sometimes you're, th I mean, soups is definitely a big one. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times there's two servings in a can, so you have to double it. So it's just more of a creating awareness and trying to find an alternatively, uh, an alternative brand that might not have as much sodium in it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think one thing that most people when kind of approached with the recommendation that they might have to lower their sodium intake, I think the first response is always like, oh, I don't even use salt. I don't even salt. Oh, my yes. Food. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I don't even salt when I cook. And so just to Catherine's point there, you know, we're consuming so much more sodium from foods that we're eating regularly than, you know, than actually from adding it at the table or it cooking or so on and so forth. So you can certainly keep the sodium at bay just by not adding sodium to cooking and not adding it at the table, but using, you know, herbs and spices, you know, salt-free seasoning mixes. I mean, goodness, I feel like innovation kind of in spices and herbs has really just been amazing in recent years. So there's so many different ways to flavor your food without salt or with a lot less salt, um, you know, in cooking. And then again, you know, reading the labels and being mindful of some of those different sources. Yeah, that, that is from. such a good point. As soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, wow, that's about everybody I talk to or say about sodium. They say, oh, well, I don't add salt to food, but I don't know what the exact number is, but the vast majority, like, a lot of our, most of our sodium comes from, it's already in the food. Right. Right. And I guess if, you know, when you think of, you know, things that you're cooking, um, you know, there's something like, again, you know, staples. So canned beans that we're talking about, they're great, but they do contain sodium. You know, you can always drain a rinse to reduce the sodium, but something like canned tomatoes, you know, lower sodium options really are yeah. recommended or, you know, broths and stocks, uh, you know, pasta sauce, some of those types of things that you're already cooking with, you know, they're, you know, we really don't want to add sodium and, and salt kind of just yeah. some of those different things. But um, yeah, you know, and actually just, you know, a side note about that too, another great way to flavor food, um, you know, without the salt is using citrus or, you know, some kind of a acidic mm. kind of ingredient. So a splash of vinegar or, you know, fresh lime juice, lemon juice, orange, you know, that really does kind of like brighten up a food and then you don't have to add salt into it. Um, you can tell we like talking about this topic, right? I was just going <laughs> to say, I think we did a whole episode on salt. We did. Yes. Or, yeah, we should. <laughs> Let's put that on the calendar. Yeah. Um, and now flexitarian. So this one, you know, I love when it's like a mashup of two kind of like words, which this one is. So it's like a flexible vegetarian, which I feel like as people hear more and more about the benefit of eating a more plant-based diet, like the flexitarian approach seems like a natural next step. And this one is the, the number three ranked uh, diet again on this U.S. News and World Report um, ranking uh, for this year. So the focus is really on eating more plants, less meat, um, but not becoming a vegetarian. So you're still including meats and seafood and poultry but it's just in a smaller scale. Um, and I love this. Catherine even bolded this here in our notes. Um, you know, focus on progress, not perfection, which goodness, I mean, couldn't like, 
anyone benefit from that? Like that, um, that phrasing just in any aspect of life, like focus on progress, not perfection. Um, I love that you mentioned that I bolded it in our outline, but like, I don't know, whenever I was going through this, that just hit me as like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. But I think it is a great point. So I'm glad you, you know, that kind of just like caught my attention <laughs> there, but you know, it just makes you think, I guess, even about like how this translates even to like non eating habit situations, which it really exactly. does. Like just life in general right now, it's winter, it's COVID. Let's all give ourselves. (laughs) I know (laughs) we can get through this. Um, you know, so it's, you know, maybe like, you know, to adopt a flexitarian approach, looking at how frequently you eat meat right now, you know, and can you go meatless or a plant-based meal, you know, one meal, uh, a week or uh, a couple times a week and and so on and so forth. So it's just, it's starting and then trying to like, you know, elevate and, and do that more frequently to align with this approach. Um, and they also do of course, encourage, um, at least 50 or at least 50. 50, at least 30 minutes of moderate exercise on most days of the week, which again, this is just kind of also coming from the American Heart Association from so many other mm-hmm. types of recommendations related to just, you know, ways to improve your health. And, you know, to your point, Catherine, it's COVID, it's winter, the days are getting longer, but they're still they short, are. you know, getting outdoors and just moving or just moving in general really does so much for your mood, for your stress level, for your, um, you know, ability to sleep and um, just, you know, all the things. So get moving if you, if you yeah. can. And I know that sometimes these things can be overwhelming. So let's mm-hmm. say um, you want to make some changes or sometimes, unfortunately, what happens is people don't realize they need to make a change until they have some sort of major health event um, or a family member does or something. And you're like, oh my gosh, we need to make some changes. Um, it can be very overwhelming, but you know, start small, start with what seems most manageable for you and your lifestyle right now, and then add on. Mm -hmm. So for instance, like Beth, you just mentioned, try one or two meatless meals, you know, a week or something like that. And I feel like when we're saying meatless meals, we're not Mm -hmm. saying eat tofu or eat, you know, something like that, which I mean, I like tofu, but whatever. I feel like most people don't, (laughs) but you know, it doesn't have to be okay. Lasagna is meatless. You Mm -hmm. can make a meatless lasagna or Mm -hmm. you can do instead of, um, putting meat in your chili, put an extra can of beans in your chili. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take what meals you already love and see if you can just somehow take the meat out and put something else in its place like Mm -hmm. beans or mushrooms, Mm -hmm. or you could do the blend. So that is where you take half ground meat, half really finely diced mushrooms, cook those together. It is so good. It actually makes the meat taste a million times better because that umami flavor in the mushrooms. But and yeah, this is coming amazing. from a non-mushroom lover. Folks. I know. I don't so even like mushrooms. Promoting it, you know, you know, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I'm not a big mushroom fan. But anyway, I will do that. I will do that. So something else, um, just add another serving of vegetables to your dinner or add a fruit to your breakfast or just, you know, snack on a fruit. Um, experiment with those herbs and spices without you know, adding salt. I remember I was trying a new recipe once and it called for like, I don't even remember what it was. It was this herb or spice and there, it was like so much. And I was like, if I add this in this recipe, I'm going to ruin it. But I just, I threw it in and I was like, I'm, I'm going for it. And it was amazing. So don't be afraid of flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, it is often really, it, it really sh- will turn out good. So, um, give it a try. Uh, a couple other snack on nuts, like mm-hmm. almonds and pistachios and walnuts. They have those healthy fats in there. Um, you know, just focus on what you can add to your day versus having to take something out of your day. I feel like you'll be more successful. Just keep piling on the goodness. 
That's right. That's right. And, you know, I think it's funny because then we're like flipping back to like where it's like reducing and cutting all the goodness. Like when you go back to, you know, Atkins and keto, which both of those uh, diets uh, are very low in carbohydrate. Um, the whole 30 is very restrictive for like a 30 day. Um, I, you know, I honestly don't even know like what you do after the 30 days. It's like you do 30 days. To be honest. Um, and then I don't know if there's like kind of a step down or, you know, kind of like hopefully some of those habits have sticked and you continue to adhere to them. Um, you know, but it's just one of those things that it's a kind of, I feel like it's more intended to be a short-term solution. Yeah. Um, you know, so for that, you cut out all traces of sugar, alcohol, grains, dairy, legumes. Um, and you know, if you have one of those things, then you have to restart the 30 days all over again, which just when I'm like verbalizing that, I feel like it sounds like a punishment. It's like you did a bad job. You need to go back to square one. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, certainly I think if, if you listen to the podcast uh, previously and definitely in intuitive eating ones, you know, Catherine and I um, and a lot of dietitians, honestly, would not uh, you know recommend that approach because what's the no. point of punishing yourself? Um, that just really ends up in long term, you know, failure anyway and just, you know, challenges with body, uh, you know, image and yourself uh, right. confidence and all those other things. Right. Because if you're saying that you're not allowed to have sugar or alcohol or grains, like you're telling yourself that those things are quote unquote bad. Right. So right. how is it not like setting, yeah, it's not setting up a healthy relationship with all foods. That's so right. yeah, absolutely. So what are some winning principles that focus on or that for our heart health? So the first thing, again, just focus on the basics, create simple meals with the foods that you enjoy that make you feel good from all food groups. And we just wanted to specifically talk about three nutrients. Um, we know that these three nutrients are very beneficial for our, our, our heart health, but we also know that Americans don't get enough of any of these. So things to focus on. So first omega threes. So they're a type of unsaturated fat that can reduce inflammation in our bodies. So we want to focus on things like salmon, tuna, and halibut, um, even plant-based sources like walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds, um, trying to incorporate some of those into your week. Uh, fiber, especially soluble fiber can help to reduce your LDL or your quote unquote bad cholesterol and your overall cholesterol. So soluble fiber is most notably found in fruits, vegetables, beans, and oats. And then thirdly, potassium helps you to maintain a healthy blood pressure. So fruits and vegetables, especially potatoes, tomatoes, avocados, oranges, bananas, um, also things like beans, yogurt, salmon, pistachios, and almonds. So whenever I was rattling off all those foods, uh, you know what it made me think about? What's up? The Mediterranean diet. I know. I was just fruits, thinking the same Vegetables, <laughs> whole grains, seafood, <laughs> nuts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Boom. Yes, exactly. And, and I actually really love like the synergies again, you know, kind of uh, aligned with all three of the top that we just shared. I mean, there's a lot of crossover there, which again, I think further validates that there are great approaches to, to just yeah. feel great and take care of your heart. Um, another thing again, you know, as we we're talking, this probably isn't, uh, isn't a surprise, I guess, you know, you would be adding color. So, you know, the best way to get different uh, vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, um, you know, would be to include a variety of fruits and vegetables. So if you kind of always go for the same ones, which I think everyone kind of gets into that pattern of the same old that you throw into your cart, that's what you incorporate into your meals, but, you know, maybe step out of the box a little bit, shop more seasonally, experiment with new varieties. This is great. If you have, you know, kids at home or, you know, an adult, even that is more selective with their eating habits, you're trying to broaden the palates can 
really be fun and it can be a, gr a great way to really increase your nutrient intake as well. So maybe experiment with some new things from the produce department. Um, and I think this is such a great reminder because some people just don't get that all forms count. So that means fresh uh, fruits and vegetables, frozen, canned, dried, and 100% juice. Um, you know, now certainly I would say that fresh and frozen are probably among the best, but you know, can is a, a great option for sure. And they're, you know, I like can because they are shelf stable. You can have them on hand in case you can't get to the grocery store. You know, you have them available and readily, um, you know, ready to be used uh, in a lot of different recipes and things like that. Really the same thing goes for frozen. Um, and both of those really do help to cut back on food waste. So if you kind of overbuy the fresh and you tend to throw it away because you didn't get to it in time before it's spoiled, you know, that, that's a huge kind of hit to your budget and, you know, we don't want to waste food. So uh, frozen and canned can be a great thing just to always have available. Um, and then dried in 100% juice would be, you know, trying to keep the, the added sugar certainly to, you know, a minimum in the dried fruit. So looking for some lower, lower sodium, that's sugar and sodium. <laughs> together. That's a new word. I like it actually. <laughs> Lower sugar, um, especially added sugar, I should say, because dried fruit will naturally have natural sugar, but you know, the right. added sugars just be mindful and then go for the hundred, 100% juice. Yeah. I was just thinking as you were talking there and I literally have all five forms in my kitchen at all times. I think like yep. check, check. And you're right about like, I don't buy a ton of fresh because I live alone. I cook for myself. I don't want it all to go bad by the end of the week or the two weeks I get to the grocery store. So I just buy enough that I know I'm going to eat. And then mm -hmm. once that's gone, I move to the frozen or the canned and to fill in. So they all have a really good purpose. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we can't talk enough about fruits and veggies. So that's right. <laughs> all right. So our next winning principle, don't fear carbs. I think people are so afraid of carbs and I don't know why. Um, carbohydrates are the preferred source of energy for your body and your brain. Um, and whole grains in particular contain more fiber and fiber's role in preventing heart disease is thought to stem from its ability to lower our blood pressure and cholesterol. Um, and fiber also helps to keep us feeling full. So we're not going to be hungry again in just a few minutes. That's right. You know, I don't remember what episode number, but we did really tackle that topic of carbohydrates and like, you know, yes. why you do want to eat more carbohydrates because, you know, they really are so vital to, um, you know, to your overall, like a well-balanced eating pattern for sure. You know, and yeah. the point too, with, um, you know, carbohydrates being one of those prime sources of fiber, you know, fiber is so important for, you know, gut health, which a lot of people mm -hmm. connect to, you know, immunity. So, uh, you know, yet another reason to make sure you're getting enough fiber, um, in those good carbohydrates, um, beyond heart health. Um, um, you know, so the, what is this? The fourth winning principle, yep. um, we're looking at the big picture. So looking at your diet as a whole, which this can be really tricky. I feel like, you know, I think a lot of us kind of evaluate how we eat based on like one meal at a time, um, or maybe, um, you know, one day at a time, but kind of looking at across the board, like, you know, what are you eating regularly? Where do you have areas for opportunity to make improvements? Um, mm -hmm. you know, and really, are you getting enough variety in your diet and not restricting? And, you know, are you feeling good? Like, are the foods that you're choosing regularly? Are they giving you energy? Are they, you know, just making you feel, um, kind of like um, empowered throughout the day and just feeling your best? Um, 
And, and really, you know, kind of what can you do to, to change that if that's not happening? You know, what could you swap in, you know, kind of what could you add in again? We're trying not to eliminate too many things, but maybe there are some foods that you'd want to mm-hmm. reduce to make room for more of these that you want to add in that have more nutrition. Um, you know, so kind of doing a little bit of a self-evaluation of just like the diet as a whole, not just, you know, one meal, not just, you know, one day's worth, um, you know, to, to really feel your best and to ultimately do the best for your health. Yeah. One thing I do, I encourage people to do when I talk to them one-on-one and I actually just had somebody who actually did this and reported back to me was we took a look at some snacks because usually like you have a snack, you move on with your day. So we tried out two different snacks and I said, I want you to, you know, note how hungry you were before you ate it, then after you ate it. But then I want you to tell, note how you felt two hours later. And the more the the apple and the peanut butter snack, she was like, I feel really, I felt actually really good. But the other snack, which I won't mention what it was, but like, she was like, oh yeah, I did not feel good after that. But like, Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't always equate how we're feeling directly to what we just ate when it really does have a big impact on it. So I would encourage people to do that, to really tune in to how you feel after you eat certain foods. Um, And I think honestly too, you know, uh, we all want to see results quickly, right? right. So I think that's one thing that's sometimes hard to like, it's, it's hard to get motivated to eat well, because you don't, you know, if you're not thinking of like those short-term benefits of feeling really energized and you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know, am I going to lower my cholesterol, which doesn't happen overnight? Or am I lowering my diabetes that doesn't happen overnight and you can't necessarily see it. Um, and it's not tangible, like off the top, but something like that is. So I feel like that's a great, like motivating factor. Um, you know, just to that simple comparison, same thing would go for breakfast or for lunch or what type of beverage you're drinking throughout the day. If it's a lot of, you know, caffeinated, you know, sugary beverages and you switch to water, how do you feel compared to the alternative? So I think that's a great, um, great takeaway, Catherine. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, and our last winning principle is just to know the source of the information that you're getting. There is so much misinformation out there on the internet. It is unbelievable. Um, So make sure that your information is coming from a credible source like a registered dietitian or a credible association like the American Heart Association. So when you go to the, they have so much information on the American Heart Association with just tips, you know, eating and uh, fitness and managing stress and getting enough sleep and recipes. Um, and not once on that website, are you going to find anything about low carb or keto or whole 30 or anything like that? Um, and so just whenever people are encouraging those types of programs like the keto or whole 30, um, you know, see who they are, um, and, and just kind of think about where you would rather get your information from. Absolutely. Lean on the experts. (laughs) That's right. Um, Beth, what is our takeaway tip for the week? You know, I feel like it's a a little bit of a struggle to come up with just one. So I am actually going to share two. You know, one thing that we really didn't dive into was just, you know, how important it is to get regular screenings with your doctor and Mm, to know your numbers. So I would say if you haven't had a a blood cholesterol or just blood work done recently, um, I guess within the past year, you know, schedule an appointment to do that with your physician and just for, you know, first and foremost, know where you are to ultimately know where your risk factors lie and, you know, how you can improve. So I think that would be one for sure. 
Um, and then I think the other would be, you know, just with some of this information and, you know, the sharing of more information about these three, you know, dietary approaches, you know, what could you start to implement into your own eating plan as quickly as today? You know, is it something as simple as swapping, um, you know, a different snack into your routine or drinking more water, moving a little bit more, um, but really identifying, you know, maybe one small change you can start focusing on and move in the right direction to feel your best. Perfect. I love both of those takeaways. <laughs> um, well, thank you everyone for tuning in. You can get in touch with us by joining the Wise Dietitians Facebook group. Simply search for Wise Healthy Bites on Facebook, or you can email us at wisedietitians at wisemarkets.com. The information shared in this podcast is intended for education only and is not intended to be a substitute for a medical diagnosis or treatment. The Wise Markets Healthy Bites podcast is owned and distributed by Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation. Any rebroadcast or other use of this podcast without the express written consent of Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation is strictly prohibited. Please click subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.